Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Right on Radio. We've got a great show for you today. One of my favorite all-time guests is back. His name is Brian Cole. Just a quick background on him. He was a Satanist. He was in prison. And he's now a pastor filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with power and making doing damage in the kingdom of darkness. And, of course, I only know Brian because of the wonderful lady that is here, as always. Jesse's a boater, mighty woman of God. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> so, that was a powerful action. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, today, uh, because of both of your background, and I trust this conversation is going to get really, really interesting. Um, you know, Jesse and I have been starting, we started on our last program, uh, Brian, about uh, just doing some revelation and talking about the war between two seeds, essentially, and where this whole thing started in the cabal and all this stuff. And, and you know, we recognize that, you know, Luciferianism, Satanism is really the oldest religion in the world. And they've been doing witchcraft and dark arts from the beginning, they've infiltrated into every area of government, in, even into the church. I want to talk about all of that, but I also want to focus on what powers and what effects are they trying to conjure up in what they are doing, and then we will do a contrast towards the end. So let's start like right at the beginning. What were the first uh, incantations or spells or anything? Where did this all start? For them with the, with their power, Jesse. Oh, <laughs> well, I know it goes all the way back to the Canaanite times. You know, Scripture tells us in the Old Testament that, um, you know, those those races or those generations were doing things like having their children walk through the fire, which is a very specific term. Um, you know, it's not only are they walking through a physical fire, but they believe, you know, that as they're doing that, there's this passing through the physical world into the spiritual world. Um, you know, they were sacrificing their children to Baal and Molech. And, you know, we know that there were also sexual things that were being done uh, because of the high worship to Baal and Ashtaroth. Um, so a lot of things, you know, revolving around fertility, ritual, uh, sacrifice with that, um, you know, so it, it can be linked all the way back to, you know, Canaan. And even before that, um, you have the, you know, direct disobedience of Cain to God and, you know, his refusal to offer a pleasing sacrifice. Um, so you know, that's as far back as I've been able to trace it. And that was the land God called Abraham to come out of. Um, from there, you know, it, it really became a hidden thing. You know, Israel had gone through the land of Canaan and, you know, the Lord had commissioned them to literally drive the evil and the wickedness out of there. And so we see them in the books of Joshua and, um, 
you know, Kings and some of those books where they're doing that, they're trying to drive that wickedness out of the land. But we know that they, they were not obedient to God. They did not destroy everybody who was involved in that wickedness. And in fact, Israel, um, the men married into that wickedness by taking wives from the places that they conquered. Um, so th those generational sins of the witchcraft, the divination, the sorcery, um, you know, all of that continued throughout those generations and continued to grow in its wickedness um, till what we have today. Um, okay, so so yeah. let me let me jump in there for a second. So the things that they've been doing, you know, they've been doing the sex magic because as we've been covering these holidays and things like that, it's all been about fertility. And, you know, somehow they feel that, you know, adding sex and stuff like that enhances their spells and things like that. But is the, the witchcraft essentially, has it changed over the thousands of years? You mentioned maybe it's gotten a little bit worse uh, in these days, but has, has the essence of it changed? I would say it, it, it's essence, no, because you have, you know, at the highest levels, they have the ancient black magic. Uh, which was taught to them by the fallen angels. So that generationally has been passed on and, and is the same, you know, it's the same concepts, the same things, I guess, that they've been doing for generations. So, so Brian, you were doing this stuff before you were saved, obviously. Uh, you were doing this sort of thing. What type of results were you hoping for? And what results did you see in doing these, you know, uh, rituals or witchcraft? Well, <clears throat> I think you can read the Bible and, and actually see what the, the results are going to be. Uh, originally, um, you know, when I when I first got into it, it was uh, mostly because the, the kids I was hanging out with, older kids were involved with it. And I just wanted to take part in what they were taken part of. I didn't really, I wasn't into it as far as the religious stuff. I just was doing it. And uh, when I, when I was 18 and I went to prison, that's when it became real to me. And uh, it at that time, it was for the same reason so many people get into, into the occult. And that's the power, the notoriety, the fear. Um, I got into it for those purposes and uh, really no other thing. So selfishness and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't for any other reason of wanting to worship something or anything like that. So, and, and when I first got into it, that's what came to me. I mean, I had the notoriety, I had the power, you know, doing, doing the rituals, things happened. Uh, just like you see through scripture that, that uh, God's got power, God's people has power, but so does, you know, we saw it with, with Pharaoh and his magicians, they could do certain things that, that God's people could do only up to a point. So you had that power, you had that authority, you had that fear uh, from people, but eventually over time, and it wasn't long, it was like uh, 1987. So three years, I was really deep into, into Satanism, sold my soul, the, the devil, the whole nine yards. Uh, you know, I was in, in, in maximum security. So there was nothing but 23 hours a day, seven days a week to to, to perform these rituals and read and memorize and all that. So three years later, by 1987, I came to the realization, well, I had read a couple of things by uh, L. Aster Crowley and one of them was a book of law. Didn't really understand it, but it, it, it impressed me and it, and it struck me. 
and I started reading a lot more things about ceremonial magic and, and things like that, chaos magic, sex magic, because, uh, you know, that's obviously what Crowley was big into was the sex magic and a lot of the rituals, that's what it was. Um, so at that time, I started realizing that, hey, instead of me having the power now, I feel like a puppet and the devil is now using me. Things ain't coming to me like they were. He's got too much of power and authority over me. And I wanted that power and authority. Uh, so the devil's deceptive. So <laughs> he made me think that if I walk this middle path, this, this gray path and not really worship him, but now in ceremonial magic and, and Thelema, I will have control <coughs> over the spirits and the, the demonic forces and the powers and all that. Um, instead of them having power over me. Now I can make them do the things I want them to do. And that is when I went, um, I still dove in back into the dark stuff when someone ticked me off or whatever, I do destruction rituals. But that's when I went hardcore into, into Thelema and Coralism. So um, that was my purpose. My original purpose was all the, the, the power and stuff. And, uh, and I received it. But just like you see in scripture, man, especially in Revelation, after time, you worship the beast and the beast is going to use you. He's going to kill you. He could care less about you. John 10 says what? He comes for three reasons, kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what eventually he tried to do in my life. So you said a couple really, really interesting things. First of all, you know, you wanted the power. You wanted the prestige. And, you know, this, this goes back to the original sin of why he got kicked out of yep, yep. heaven. So, and, and then... Uh, what I really picked up on there, Brian, was through practicing this, you started to lose control, but you were able to take it back. I mean, it, it, so it's almost like you wanted to be God as well. Yep, big time. Ain't that ain't that what really is in man's heart without God is making themselves a God? Yeah. Doing things to please themselves and and make themselves happy and satisfy themselves and and really with atheism and any other forms of, of some of the forms of the occult that's what it's all about right there is no purpose other than making you happy what other purpose is there in life so when yeah. you did when you did like a destruction uh ceremony or whatever listen i'm not <laughs> i'm not an expert on this but uh when it worked would that make you happy well definitely and i brag about it to everybody yeah look what i did not look what the devil did for me but look what i did and, and can, you, mm -hmm. can you give me an example of maybe one of those successes? Yeah, one of the, probably one of the ones that stick with me the most is there was this guy. Now, I, when I went into prison in 84, um, I saw that, uh, that the, the chapels had all kinds of services for, for Christians, for the Jehovah's Witnesses, for the Muslims, for the Buddhists and all these other, but they had nothing for, for pagans. So I started fighting against the system to get these Wiccan pagan religious groups in the chapel. And that was a six year battle, which in 1990, I won. Now, during that last part of it in 1990, I was in Fox Lake Correctional Institution. Uh, and at this time, the, the memo had kind of come out to the institutions that, hey, you got to let this stuff start happening. And there was this guy, he was the security director <laughs> in, in the prison at the time at Fox Lake. And he was a jerk to me, man. He was he was like the Inquisition with me on, on, on the, the paganism and all the stuff, all the materials of books, necklaces, whatever that I had at the time, it had to be approved by security and then given to me. Well, then he'd have guys come in my room, take it all out. 
and go through this long process and make me send it out home. And it's like, security already proved this. What are you talking about, knucklehead? You know, and, and here's a paper saying, you got to you allow me to do this. Well, he wasn't trying to hear that. And he made me send all this stuff out. And I got, you know, obviously I was enraged over this dude and I, I hated authority figures anyway, but this guy irked me because I was a target, you know, for him. So I did a destruction ritual. My celly was in there at the time. And, and I said, watch this, man, I'm going to, I'm going to get this dude. Not the devil's going to get this dude. I'm going to get this dude. And I uh, did a destruction ritual and it wasn't even three months later. Uh, we, we didn't hear anything in the prison. The, obviously guards didn't say nothing about it, but all of a sudden, in the newspaper one day, we found out that this guy had went to the uh, park in the area and committed suicide. And we found out later with another article that it was because uh, there was some suspicion about him getting involved with child pornography. And they went into his house and took his computer and everything and found, found a bunch of child pornography on it. And this guy went out and committed suicide. So that was probably one of the main ones that I, I will always remember. Um, and boy, did I break that up all through the rest of my bit to people and, and, uh, took, took, I, I laid claim to that, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so that was one of the examples and there was probably in the, in the 33 years I was involved with that. And especially the first three being all in into devil worship, but then the rest of years. that, you just have to notice yeah, that just kind of going back and forth <laughs> to it when I get mad at people, um, there's probably a, a good half a dozen people that I know of um, that died that I did a destruction ritual against. So Jesse, now this is this is so interesting because you know we've been talking about this uh, dark to light sort of thing and there the, the two sides of the the brotherhood, the light side, the dark side, but they're still kind of all in the, in the same thing. For the execution of that. Uh, you know, ritual, ceremony, whatever that Brian was doing, it almost sounds to me like the one side, like, you know, the, the demons and that had to turn against their own almost. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, they're really loyal to nobody. Their loyalty is as far as they can use you or as far as they're getting benefits. So, you know, with that, they'll go with whoever they feel has the highest power or whoever's giving them the most access to their spiritual gifts, um, you know, into their life. So, you know, once a person is, is compromised like that, you know, if he was being investigated for the sins or the quotas that he was doing and, you know, is kind of found out, then those demons are just going to go to the next highest power source. They're not going to stick around or help or, you know, that guy's going to have a rude awakening that he's pretty much alone and there's nobody standing with him in that. Yeah. But you, you go to the book of revelation, man. And, and you know, when the, the, the beast and the dragon and the antichrist and the prophet and the devil step up, man, they, they care less about what happens to their own people. <laughs> they're killing right. them off. They, right. <laughs> all yeah. they care about is serve us. <laughs> yeah. <That's> right. <laughs> Yeah, all these people are doing these things. They're in for a real rude awakening. Yeah. With that. So yeah. this, this is so interesting because I, I'm just looking at the situation. Obviously, I don't know the man. And, and Brian, you don't know his uh, what his home life was or anything like that. Yeah. But I'm just exploring the possibility in this situation that maybe he wasn't even into that kid stuff and it was put there. 
Yeah. It, it very be. well could be as a setup, you know, and then he just didn't know how to deal with it. Or, you know, he could have been suicided where, you know, they made it look like he suicided because of those things. But really, you know, it was the forces that be that were after him fulfilling, you know, the power request for the destruction ritual. So that that's plausible. So with the destruction ritual, essentially, and I'm asking, uh, you're calling on spirits, demons, evil ones, and then they will go and find people that will serve them. And that's kind of how this manifests? Or tell me about that. How do you see yeah, it working? Well, basically, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not like a, an elaborate ritual or anything. You're just uh, making a sacrifice and in prison, you know, obviously you can't sacrifice things, but all, all through my time, I never, I never sacrificed a human being. I never sacrificed an animal. Animals were the only thing that I really loved. And that was all the way back from the beginning when them kids got me in, involved with this, they sacrificed animals and I was 10 years old and I wouldn't have no part of that because I loved animals. So I, they told me I had to cut myself for blood. That's, so that's what I did all through my time. I, my sacrifice was my own blood. So even in prison, and uh, I, I probably had more conduct reports for self-harm <laughs> than anything in prison because that was my sacrifice. So you call on on whoever. My my personal God at that time was Beelzebub. I got him tattooed on the back of my arm here. He was uh, he was the one that I, I believed in, that I called upon to inhabit me. And uh, so I called upon him, uh, made a sacrifice of my blood to do it. And, and basically, it's that simple. I mean... It, it's about a maybe a 15, 20 minute long ritual. And, and God, I, I thank the Lord so much because all ever since I, I came to know the Lord, I, I thought that these, these things have been a part of my life for most of my life. And being able to not have to think about that all the time, or, you know, just with the, the, the different rituals that we perform uh, four times a day or rituals, whatever you want to call them, adorations, where you wake up in the morning, and you do an adoration at noon, you do an adoration at, at, at sundown, you do an adoration at midnight, you do an adoration. It's just automatic. You wake up and you say that in your mind. And, and uh, be, on top of all the rituals and everything else, it's like, man, this stuff is always going to be a part of me, but it hasn't. Um, the Lord has really, really been able to wipe out a lot of that stuff from my mind. So not only do I not think about it anymore, but I even have lost, um, I've lost a lot of wisdom. <laughs> I've lost, like, if you ask me, how did that ritual go, man, I, I could, I had all this stuff memorized. If you go and you look at Crowleyism and look at all the rituals that they have within Thelema, I knew most of them by heart. And that was one of my selfish things. You know, I go to a temple when I got out of prison the first time in 1994, and I lived in a in the ISIS, ISIS Neptis camp, an OTO temple in Milwaukee. And I was I was their secretary for three months that I lived there. But after three months, it's like all these knuckleheads. You can't get initiate. You you can't go through initiation process in the OTO while you're in prison. So I'm in here, and I. I had all these years of, of memorizing and I go to this temple and here's all these high level knuckleheads that are sitting here reading out of books while they do their rituals and, and all this. And, you know, I'm flying this stuff off my head again, the selfishness. And I left after three months. I'm like, you guys, man, you're all a bunch of fakes, man. You ain't nothing compared to me and, and blah, blah, blah. So the Lord has really taken a lot of that away from me, man. And I don't think about that stuff a lot anymore. Maybe once every three months or so, I might catch myself saying something or I'll see something 
uh, on, on Facebook or something. And I'll, and I'll cruise over to, uh, uh, somebody's uh, Facebook page that's into the, into the theme or the OTO. And I'll, I'll take a look at what's going on. And then I'm, I'm like, no, I gotta, I gotta back off from that. You know, I try to, I try to eliminate all that from my life and, and Lord has really done a work on that, but the devil still wants to try to keep a hand on me with certain things. And, and let me just say this quick. I, uh, uh, when I became a youth pastor in 2012, uh, I was out of, I was saved for three years and I was also an associate pastor. So I had to do sermons once in a while. And during the, well, one of the sermons I did, it was, it was uh, communion day and Pastor Mike asked me, you want to do communion? And I'm like, no, man, I, I ready to do that because in, in Thelema and in the OTO, we take communion all the time. It's called the Gnostic mass. And there's also another ritual called the mass of the Phoenix that you do for six months at a time, which includes the Eucharist and cutting your chest and soaking the, the, the communion bread up in it and, and saying, you know, every time I do this, I become more godlike. Uh, so those things doing that for so many years really warped my sense of communion. And I did not want to do uh, communion in Christ in a wrong way. And my head was not in the right place for that. It took me over a year and a half for uh, praying for the Lord to just take that, that negative sense of communion away from me before I was able to finally not only do communion, uh, but take communion properly. And uh, so there's different things that, that, that we do uh, in Christianity here that it takes me a little bit longer to do because I'm not in the right mindset for it because we, uh, you know, we did it in the wrong way. <laughs> in the occult. So whether it's all these things that you remember or these things that, that was part of your rituals, it's part of Christianity that the, the Satanism has taken and warped out. Um, it, it's, it's hard to get through some of that sometimes, but, uh, you know, in, in prayer, man, the Lord will take that from you and he'll make it right. And he'll show you this, this is of me. My enemy took that and he warped it out, but this is, this is me. So you said something so wise there, and I'll just get Jesse to pipe in on this because, you know, I, I remember when I first got saved, and I guess I was 30 years old, essentially, um, was in a little church, and they didn't do communion very often, um, but when they did, I remember the pastor giving a warning, saying, look, if you're not ready for this, don't do this. This is to be taken really seriously. And, you know, Jesse, we just did, uh, you did the communion on uh, yeah. our anointing the oil thing yesterday. Tell, tell me about the differences between God's communion and, and what the, the enemy does. Well, everything in the enemy does is a mockery of Christ. And so, you know, they want to desecrate, you know, the flesh and the blood and that's really where scripture tells us that the power is that, you know, the life is in the flesh, the life is in the blood. And so by desecrating it, you know, they believe that they're taking away that power um, that's in the remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. And, you know, what was that power? It's, it's the power that has the authority, literally, you know, scripture says he takes away our sins, but the actual Greek literally means that he he grasps our sins violently by force and removes them from us and takes them you know for himself and not that it's a greedy like now these you know sins are mine you know it's literally that he's ripping them taking them taking the responsibility the authority for him 
and disposing of them. And, you know, after that's done, you know, what's the greater part of that power is that literally we die with Christ to all sin and we are raised to new life. And that new life, you know, has no sin in it at all. And so, you know, that's what the enemy wants to desecrate. Um, you know, there's lots of things that they can do to the communion to desecrate it. Um, you know, things that I saw, there might be like urine or feces or, you know, at the higher levels that they would put real flesh in there, you know, that was not the flesh of Christ. So then you're, you know, partaking in a cannibalistic type act. They would use blood instead of the wine. Um, and they would know, use like menstrual blood as well. And, and yes, sometimes sperm yeah. and what, what it always comes back to the blood. And that's what I found so interesting what Brian said. But, you know, he was taking his own from his chest and soaking it. And, you know, yeah. when, when we start to understand this, we understand what the resurrection of Christ and the shedding of his blood really meant. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, like Jesse said, man, it's all, you know, that's what the devil does best is counterfeits uh, Christ and, and the Lord and whatever they do. And, and again, going back to Revelation, we... You, you see that counterfeit of the Trinity going on, um, the major counterfeit there, right, with the with the Satan and the prophet and and the Antichrist, and and then what happened there? You know, I mean, he yeah, he got wounded, he died, and he got brought back to life and just a mockery of the resurrection of christ coming back and yeah. and it said that all the people were amazed you know they're not amazed at christ's sacrifice and his death and resurrection but they were amazed that this prophet got you know mutilated and died and he got brought back to life and just a, a counterfeit trinity and everything is a counterfeit that's what i think the last time we talked i i, I talked about my testimony and talked about what it really was that, that made me open my eyes to the, to the gospel because it was, uh, I had to get into this for the homework and I was just filling in blanks. And when I came to that verse in Psalm 51, seven, purge me the hyssop and I should be clean, wash me and I should be whiter than snow. And this was word for word, part of the cleansing rituals we do in the cult on a daily basis. It's like, what is this doing here? And when I started reading the Bible and I come across all these verses that were part of the, you know, all the Crowley's holy books and the rituals and everything else. I'm like, what is going on? Well, paganism was a long, around long before Christianity. It took this stuff from us, right? But it's because it's been counterfeited, man. And, and, and they use it to mock him. And, to mock right. and, him. and, you know, the real mockery too, is that, you know, we have the contrast of our Lord Jesus Christ, who literally, you know, that death and that crucifixion was one of the worst deaths that there could be. And he himself, you know, his flesh literally was torn from the flogging. You know, he was embarrassed that, you know, I believe that he had to, you know, do all that without being clothed because they said they removed his clothing. Um, you know, his blood was physically and spiritually because he was a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. His blood was shed for us. There was no other intention. It was not for himself. It was for us. Now, not once. I mean, I anybody can come forward if they have a different story, a different testimony. You know, how many rituals have we been in? And not once, 
you know, has Satan ever shed a drop of blood, nor any demonic general, nor any demonic spirit. They don't shed any blood. They sit there in their bloodlust and tell humans, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you know, it's not enough, cut more, you know, or, you know, I'm not satisfied yet. Go get some more from someone else if you're getting too weak, you know, and they'll get you to just keep giving more of your blood to the point of, I mean, Brian, did you ever pass out in some of those rituals because of the blood loss? I mean, they will take you to the point of, you know, where you are so weak, you can't do anything. And then if it, when it's not enough, then it's like, well, go get somebody else and let's drain them until they're so weak and can't, you know, fight or do anything. So that's the reality of it. So why is the blood so important to Satan and his minions? Well, because the, you know, it goes to the base of what God has created that, you know, the glory, the resonance of his presence, his life, you know, literal spoken life is in that blood. Yeah, life is in the blood. Amen. Yeah. So it's all about the blood and it always has been. Yeah. All right. So now let's, uh, let's come up a little bit more because so the, the, incantations the the spells and that really haven't changed maybe they've been modified maybe they've been perfected over the years uh maybe they've got a little bit maybe they've got worse although they've been doing the child thing for you know thousands of years so i don't know how much worse it can get but i'm looking at modern times and brian you had mentioned chaos magic and it's funny when, when you look at things, uh, you know, for instance, with the, the Freemasons and stuff like that, they have a thing called order through chaos. And you look at the political climate right now, they've literally got uh, paid rioters. They've got, you know, chaos down at the border. They've got chaos medically. Like every bit of people's lives is in chaos. Uh, businesses are going out. Like, you know, is this an incantation that they're doing? I, I, I can't say yes or no, but it very well could be. But uh, man, it's what is what does the enemy run on? <laughs> he runs on chaos and chaos. I mean, whether whether you're not you're involved in something like that, if you you know when that whole Floyd thing happened and, and chaos erupted in, in Minneapolis and or wherever it was, man. Uh, even if you weren't part of that, you go downtown and you could feel the chaos that was going on down there, whether you were part of it or not, it was there. It was intense. It, it made you tense. And that really is the whole aspect of, of chaos magic. Um, whether it's something that you're, you're personally doing yourself or something that you're involved in is that this chaos brings about this tremendous power surge. Uh, a, a simple act of chaos magic might be uh going out on a roller coaster, you know, a huge roller coaster, one of the one, one of the five best roller coasters in the world. And you go on a roller coaster and you know the feelings <laughs> that you're feeling when you're on that roller coaster. You're just in a rush, man. And part of chaos magic was which is really sex magic in chaos form is that you're doing these rituals. And if you're in, involved with uh Thalim at all or <clears throat> or any kind of ceremonial magic or 
or Gnosticism or whatever, and you're working with the tree of life and you got the different spheres. And so whatever, whatever ritual it is that you're doing, let's say you're going to do some kind of destruction ritual, you want to hurt somebody or you want to ruin somebody's family life. Well, then you're working on this, uh, the middle sphere. I ain't going to say none of the stuff because I ain't going to give it a name, but so you work on that sphere (laughs) and, and anything that's involved with that sphere, it's got its own color. It's, it's incense smell or whatever it's uh so you wear these colors and you're wearing this this uh uh incense or or oils on you that that gives you that smell everything about it that brings your mind on this particular subject and as you're anticipating what's going to happen and you're going around one of the last biggest loop-de-loops and you're feeling this adrenaline rush that's when the minute the energy is released that you worked all this time for it's kind of like uh, uh, Buddhism, uh, Nikki Dai Shoshin Buddhism. When you chant into the Kahans and, and whatever you're chanting in Nami Horengeko, and you're chanting, and whatever you're seeing happen on the astral plane happens down here, and that's what it is with this chaos magic is what uh, you've been envisioning happening is now going to happen, and all this chaos energy is going to push that energy forward to make that happen. So, whether it's on there or you're downtown or you're part of the Illuminati or whatever it is, it's got all this stuff going on, man. That gives it power, big power, big energy. So we've, and they're we've using been... all these other people to do it. <laughs> and you got to touch a finger on nothing, man. No, they've, they've just been brainwashed, but we've been talking about <laughs> everything is created in the spirit and then it manifests mm-hmm. in the physical. So right. when we look at this, and by the way, I maintain that Washington DC is a temple. It's right, you know, Congress <laughs> is the temple. Like this is, and and so you know, I really believe like the way the way they plan this stuff because they're smart. They've been doing this for so many years. You think of the solution the way you want things to go, and it usually is more more power for the same selfish reasons that you were talking about. So that you want more power. So then you create the problem. And then you give the solution and then you create the problem even bigger. People get used to it. Oh, here, this comes again. And then you create a bigger solution. And eventually, you know, the people like, listen, we have no, we just want the government or whoever it is is doing it. We look, we have no, just take the power, just fix it. I just want to live my life. And, and it's like the boiling frog, you know? And literally, you know, society are boiling frogs right now. They don't realize the temperature is being turned up. Most people are still asleep. So I really believe this is chaos magic at a high, high level. What's you, Jess? Yeah, no, you know, in a lot of aspects, I would agree. Um, You know, when I was a kid, the stuff that they had me involved in, you know, you would have several different forces and, you know, scientifically they would call those forces they were creating, you know, the electromagnetic and the magnetic fields. And, you know, really what that breaks down to is the electrical magnetic is that energy that's created from human to human. Um, And, you know, they would do that with, you know, with sex magic, with vibration, frequency, resonance, You know, so you would have groups of, you know, people at these rituals who would be chanting and, you know, making music or noise with their voices. Um, You know, then you'd have the physical aspect where they could be dancing or, 
you know, like if people have seen like the, you know, the Native American or other, um, you know, tribal groups doing the tribal dances, that's a form of creating that type of energy. Um, then you have, you know, the demonic forces who are also present, who are doing these same things. And then, you know, as the ritual gets to the climax, you're going to see the two forces coming together and, you know, creating even more energy. So what we're seeing with all this stuff is, you know, we've got groups of, you know, protesters and, you know, there's this emotional energy that's being released, whether they realize it or not, you know, whether it's anger or they're creating fear, you know, and so you've got all this negative energy that's vibrating and, you know, even some of the things, I mean, they're bringing out, there's a lot of fire. Okay. So, you know, it's like, that's not just a common thing. You know, they're purposely creating those fires in certain places. Um, you know, I've shown pictures about um, the handprints where they're putting the bloody handprints, which are a sign of a ritual wall to Molech for sacrifice. Um, you know, they had that in the chop area in Seattle where they had, you know, a whole bunch of bloody handprints on the wall. It was at the Alamo in Texas. Um, so they're creating what I believe are these ritual places. But, you know, I would say that they're getting individuals to engage in this witchcraft without even knowing that they're participating in the ritual or the witchcraft. And, um, you know, what's, what's the purpose behind that? You know, um, you know, they used it in my time to open the spiritual gates to, to, you know, create a space where they had that access between the spiritual veil, where they literally could you know, their Satan's agenda has always been to usurp the throne of God. So the more people he has involved in this, he doesn't care how he gets you involved in it. You know, his goal is just to open the gate and to get through and to try to usurp the throne of God and to get his demonic generals through. You know, he doesn't care who's involved in the process or how they do it, just as long as the gates get opened. Um, so we do see a lot of that happening. And People don't realize, you know, how everything in creation is, is connected at that quantum level that, you know, the Lord made us that way that, you know, when we rise, we're not the only ones that are meant to sing his praises. It says all of creation sings his praises. You know, scripture talks about the end times that all of creation groans and moans and labors and travails because of the sin and the wickedness you know <clears throat> well and that's why we're studying revelation on sundays by the way uh we've been doing a study on revelation we're going to go through the book we're going to take all the mysteries out of it and a lot of this stuff is going to going to come out uh, i've been, i'll tell you i'm just the revelation of jesus christ that i'm getting by diving into this over and over and it is incredible so, go through revelation ourselves oh are you yeah started in january and this uh, last Sunday, we just hit chapter 13. So and wow. going through it after the time. Amen. Yeah, it's been, it's been called and it's funny because we're going to be revealing some stuff that God has put on my heart in the actually earlier this week. And it just coincides with how we're going through revelation. Uh, mm -hmm. Jesse pointed that out. I thought it was so good. So 
now listen, I, I, I want to talk about the counterbalance. And I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we get there, uh, there was something that both you, Brian, and Jesse brought up, and it's the fire, and, and in particular, the walking through fire. And I got two images in my mind that I want to explore. First of all, uh, we know that the enemy has infiltrated the church. We know they've infiltrated government. We know they're in the courts and, you know, the bar and, you know, every place of power, they are there. Uh, but when you said walking through fire, I'm thinking even the things, you know, some of these new age people, like even, you know, the uh, uh, motivational speakers and that, they'll take people on retreats and they'll walk through the fire, you know, with bare feet on the hot coals. Is, is there something going on with that? And then I have a follow-up question I think is going to shock some people. I believe there is when they do that. Um, you know, with that practice, like I said, it, you know, it opens up that spiritual realm. It supposedly creates a doorway for them to, you know, leave the physical and to enter into that spiritual space. Um, you know, there's no real reason it would be done for anything else. You know, it's not just something you do for fun. There may be right. a few select groups that do it for fun, but, uh, you know, they're far and few, you know, those who might use it, you know, as magicians or types of entertainment shows, you know, that it may be the pure purpose in that for those individuals is purely entertainment. But when you go to a retreat, you know, they're not going to be able to pass that off as, hey, let's all walk over these hot coals for entertainment. You know, <laughs> most people aren't going to buy that. Well, I, I know several people have done this and you know, they, they have to do some meditation. They have to prepare for it. And, and it all seems good. And then they walk across the coals and their feet aren't burned. And, they, and they're hot coals. It's legit. But they say, man, it just opened something up in my life. I'm not scared of things anymore and stuff. So even things that are wrapped up and looking really good, like this could be an incantation or, as you say, opening up a doorway. Yeah. Absolutely. So now, here's the other thing that came to my mind. Have you ever seen these, and, and I'm not speaking against it, I'm, I'm asking questions, okay? I'm not saying this is bad, I'm not saying it's good, I don't know. But there's been these real charismatic movements. Uh, in Toronto here, they had the, the vineyard uh, years ago, and what they would do is, you know, they would do that thing, slaying in the spirit. And I just kind of always question that word, slaying, because, you know, that, that just kind of seems weird. And, you know, and listen, God could do things. I, I don't know. Um, but also they would do this thing called the tunnel of fire. And it was supposed to be, you know, this secret ritual. And, and so it'd just be people forming a bridge with their hands. And, you know, everyone's praying and doing silly things. And people go through it and they come out and they're shaking and stuff like that. Is that of God? Do either of you know? I personally don't believe so. <laughs> um, you know, I had a, I had experience like that, you know, in a church that was kind of similar. And, you know, the, the individual who um, was up there kind of leading everything, um, 
you know, she was a special guest person out of actually out of the Toronto area. And I notice, you know, as I'm sitting in the the pews that she's targeting the children. And she says, I want all the children to come forward and we're going to pray over you. And I had this little boy who was about seven years old sitting in front of me. And the Lord said to me, go with him and stand behind him. And so I did. And, you know, as we went up, you know, I was just praying and, you know, they were going to be doing that slaying in the spirit and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, I've only been slain in the spirit once at that point, if you're technically counting it as anything. And with that experience, you know, nobody touched me. Nobody was praying for it. We were at a concert and everybody was worshiping. And all of a sudden, you know, the person leading the concert just raised their hands to praise God. And all of us, the entire, you know, room, we all fell face first. And, you know, you like face first, face first not yeah. backwards. And we were on our hands and knees worshiping the Lord. So, you know, I was like, well, God, I'm not opposed to this. If this is your will, let it happen. Um, out of all those children and people standing up there, me and that little boy were the only two that did not fall backwards. And it wasn't because I wasn't willing, you know, it she literally passed over us, like didn't even touch or pray over him, nothing. It was very interesting. And then, you know, she started praying over one of the guys and he did, he started convulsing and there was just something within me, like the spirit of God came through and the only words, like I literally stretched out my hand and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, peace be still. And the guy immediately stopped like just dead cold stopped and I was like whoa and she started praying it was like no let the spirit come on you let you know let let it come let him come let the Lord come and she was saying these things and he started convulsing again and I just put my hand up and I said in the name of Jesus be still and he dead cold stopped and then they ended up removing him from the room so it was interesting because that showed me it was not of God. Well, we're going to get in trouble with someone, someone watching today. <laughs> hey, I got to sit up now, man. You made me sit up. <laughs> hey, listen, we're in a war. Uh, so look, if, if, if someone's going to get their, their feelings a little bit, um, look, I'm not claiming to have all the answers. Maybe Jesse doesn't either. We're just talking about what we We're see. talking about that experience. What we so feel. It was like That's that right. experience, what those individuals were doing the Lord showed was not of him. And we're not saying every situation or everybody who, you know, God does use some of these things at times to touch people's lives. God can do clarify that. Yeah. Well, so, let, let me just say this, man. I don't see any of that here. Okay. And I know I, this, this is our final authority. This trumps everything that goes on, every word that gets said, any action that gets taken place in the church. And I know sometimes some of those people who fall back and all that kind of stuff, especially in, you know, massive fallbacks. So anyway, well, I know one of the scriptures they use to justify that is that when they were, uh, you know, they, they, the, the, the people came, the military came to take Jesus there in the, uh, in the garden uh, when, when he said, 
you know, who are you looking for? The second time they, or the first time they fell back. They didn't fall on the ground. They were just kind of pushed back. And they, they use that to justify the falling back. Okay, that was a one-time deal. That was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was a wake-up call for them dudes. But none of the stuff you see going on in these churches is you can't find it anywhere in scripture. The one thing you can find that they're doing, all the things that they're doing, is you go to any kind of satanic occult rituals, you're going to find that stuff going on. And the worst part of it is, is that the, the mega churches that are doing this stuff, you go to you go look on the uh, some of these YouTube videos of Bethel, uh, Bethel, and especially with their kids, this one. Probably, I mean, I had goosebumps all over me when I viewed this, and I had to turn it off right away. But you, you go on there and look at this thing they got going on with their youth there. Whether you want to talk about the tunnel of fire and the tunnel with all that stuff, you, you Google one or YouTube one of those videos with those kids, and it looks like one mass clothed orgy of these kids just writhing all over each other and big piles on the floor. I'm like, where is what? Are you serious? And, and, and this thousands and thousands of people are believing this stuff, and you're 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 getting our kit. That's an orgy, man. That's an orgy with clothes on. But anyway, man, it's, all this I just don't see any of that stuff in scripture. When I see that stuff going on, you know, and and, and I'm not talking about maybe some of the more minimal things that you see happening. Uh, I took a bunch of our youth down to uh, the uh, Texas-Mexican border a few years back to do some uh, missions work there. And uh, one of the things that I wanted them to experience was, uh, you know, some church outside of their own little comfort zone. So we just drove up to some random Spanish church one, one night and pulled up in there. And, and uh, when we came up in there, it was Spanish speaking, but they had a, uh, an interpreter for English up there. And it was a woman who was pastoring this and, and, uh, we won't get into that, but I had a woman pastoring this and she was up there saying all kinds of stuff. And this guy was interpreted. As soon as we walked in, uh, she was like, bring the kids up here. You know, interpreter was saying, bring the kids up here, bring the kids up here. We were about 15 minutes into the service. So I brought my kids up there and she started praying or prophesying over each one of these kids and the interpreter interpreted. But then after she got done with that, we sat down. I didn't mind that, but you see some of that stuff going on all over too. But then when the kids sat down, she started having other people come up and she would prophesy over them and then she'd push them. And sometimes they'd get on the floor and flop around. Sometimes they'd run around the church. And all I told, I told the kids while this was going, I'm like, I'll explain all this to you when we come, when we get in the van, <laughs> just, just deal with it, you know, but that kind of stuff when, especially when you got a new believer or a young, a young person still drinking milk, and you walk up into a church that's doing this stuff, or even up there on the pulpit speaking in tongues, Jesus is not a guy of confusion, man. And when people walk into a church and they see this or they hear this stuff going on, and they're wondering what the heck, or even if you walk up into a church that's doing something like this and, and telling you that you need to speak like that in order to be saved, and, and, and these people are like, well, Am I not saved? Am I doing something wrong? Did I not get born again when, when I believed on Christ? Because I can't. It's demonic. That All that stuff is demonic. And then, so now you got people speaking in tongues and flipping around on the floor and doing all this other stuff just to try to make, make it like they're saved. It's not real. Or that I you're just, empowered. You're not empowered by the Holy Spirit if you're 
not manifesting those signs, which that's not true either. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, man. I'm I'm Pentecostal in the aspect of I'm lit up. <laughs> I'm in no other way Pentecostal. I'm lit up. And I tell you what, my people tell you here, one of my favorite words is woo. <laughs> because I'm talking about scripture. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm either weeping or I'm wooing. And I get excited, man. But I just, I just don't see any of this other stuff going on. And if you can show me that scripturally, that this stuff is okay and it's, it's justified, Man, I'm going to listen to what you say, but I've dove into this, man, and I just don't see it. God is not the God of confusion. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, the sign that the Lord gave even the apostles to show the world that they were, you know, that they were walking in in his, in fellowship with him, I should say, um, or walking in the power of the spirit, was that they were to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. So when we have these services, you, you know, you've got to ask, what's the end goal? Is it just that somebody's shaking on the ground, that they're doing weird dance dances, that they're contorting, that, uh, you know, they're, they're manifesting tongues, you know, are those tongues being interpreted for one? Um, if not, then you have to say, what was the purpose of that? It doesn't fulfill any of the signs or things that God gave to be physical manifestations so that people would be eyewitnesses to his glories. You know, who's getting the glory in that situation? Is God getting the glory? Um, You know, most of the time when we see that people are running out of that church because they're like, what the hell is happening in there? You know, they're not feeling the spirit of God. They're not feeling that power, you know, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, people will flock to places that are showing manifestation of power and what the end goal is, in my opinion, and we can't speak to everyone, obviously, and I agree with you, Brian, it's not in the, the Bible. I only see people falling forward in the Bible and worshiping yeah. down on your face. Yeah. But listen, uh, for instance, the, the Toronto, they called it the Toronto Blessing. And people came from around the world. This place exploded. Uh, you know, literally, it was sitting a few thousand people, and there were people in, in other buildings in the area watching it remotely just to be near this place. So there is purpose for it. And we've talked a bit before on this show, Jesse, about you know how they combine worship and and the different things. And honestly, I you know I've, I've never really done it, uh, but I've studied hypnotism. And I'm telling you, they are doing hypnotism in it. And I don't think these pastors are trained in hypnotism. They're just trained, here's how you run a service. This is what you do to make your church successful. And so they follow a pattern. They're do they're they're not, I'm not saying these pastors are bad guys. They're probably not. They probably have the best of intention. They want their church to grow. And they think that's serving God. But if you're using hypnotism, and your basket is growing mm-hmm. and people are coming in and even getting saved. But are you prepared? Are they, listen, when you get saved, that's when the attacks start. Yeah. Are you going to be strong enough if you were saved in that way? Right. And, you know, for me, I think, you know, 
what's really happening is that the enemy is stripping the church of, of their armor. And we think about the pieces of the armor, you know, we're to gird our loins with truth. What is that? That's the word of God. So if none of these things are in the word of God, right there, you're allowing something to happen that it is not representing that truth. You're leaving that truth, you know, your loins open for attack from the enemy. You know, righteousness, you know. Okay, can, I just make a, can I just make a point right there, yeah, Jesse? Because I've, I've been really studying the Masons lately and seeing what they do. And when you say the loins, and it's interesting, it's the first thing you brought up. And that's why they have the, the apron, right? Like the loins, is a, that's, the, that's the seed of the devil. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, again, it's perverted where Jesus says, no, put on his word of truth, which is perverted. the loins. So you just see everything being mimicked and copied and perverted from the other side. So I don't want to focus on the other side. I want to get back to what you were saying. I just wanted to make that point. Yeah, so, you know, the righteousness, too, um, you know, there were things that were acts of worship that were, you know, considered that made that righteousness. What was that? You know, how did the priests make themselves righteous before they went into the presence of God? You know, they did cleansing. They consecrated themselves. They anointed themselves. They set themselves apart. What did that righteousness allow them? It allowed them literally to go into the presence of God. Now, if we think about that in relation to the spiritual armor, where does the Lord wear that breastplate of righteousness? You know, he says that we are his righteousness, you know, that he, uh, it kind of comes out weird in the English, but it's literally that sense that he puts us on like a breastplate that he displays. You know, we've got that righteousness of God that comes through us. So, you know, even in the temples, the priests wore the breastplates with the stones that represented the 12 tribes. And why did the Lord do that? It was so that they were always before his heart. And, um, oh, you know, wow. so the enemy takes that away. Um, you know, the, the gospel of peace, you know, that we shot our feet with. Um, you know, in these ceremonies, there is no peace of God. Um, you know, it's, it's all just chaos. It's, you know, there's no gospel when you're just preaching about a spirit coming upon you or having to manifest tongues, you know, where is the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth in that? It's not, it's about, it's about you and it's about what you're experiencing outwardly but are you experiencing christ and is there this inward experience of christ that then is being proclaimed outwardly to the world which is what it's meant to be you know or even if you're ministering to the lord you know the only thing that should be upon your mouth or your lips is giving worship and praise and exaltations to god when you, when you experience God, um, you know, which it's meant to be an intimate relationship 24-7, when you experience him, there there is nothing that comes forth on your mouth except for, Lord, I love you. You know, Lord, I love this time with you. You know, you give me so much joy and I love to be in your presence. You know, 
and you don't see that deeper intimacy with the Lord with these things that are happening in the church. And, and we're taught that that's our experience of God. I mean, that's scary to me. If, if that's what people are learning is, is their experience of God. You know, it's like, tell me about the times, you know, I think of my most intimate times and, and I'll, I'm going to get off track just for one second here, but, you know, I, I was the type of person I grew up in, you know, part of the Southern Baptist churches. So you were taught that you could lose your salvation pretty much all the time. You know, we are constantly sinning. So every little thing that you do, that's it. It's out the door. You got to be confessing like crazy, begging your way back into the, the heavenlies, you know, and you just never have that solid security that you're saved. And, um, you know, so because of that, you know, whenever, you know, because of my ministry, I did a lot of street evangelism. Um, I constantly, you know, was attending several churches at a time. Like I wasn't a church hopper, but as I did ministry, I would see which of those churches would fit the people that I had led to the Lord and which one would be best to disciple them. And I usually would go with them, you know, several times or for several months until they really got incorporated into that church. So, you know, every time those churches were giving altar calls, I mean, there would just be such a depth of sorrow and pain in my heart because of sin that I would be up at that altar call. You know, I mean, how many times the Lord can count how many times I was like, Lord, I'm rededicating my life. Forgive me my sins. You know, I want to be with you and I want you to be Lord of my life. And, you know, it was all the time. And this one time, you know, I'm, I'm going up there like usual. And it was a church I hadn't been to before. And I had noticed that as people were going up to the altar, there were two elders that were going around, they were placing their hands on top of people's heads and they were praying in tongues over them. And so anyway, you know, I went up there and um, all of a sudden, you know, I feel this hand on top of my head and I hear these tongues and, you know, but the, the person didn't stop. Like, I mean, he really, the spirit of God came over this person and, you know, what I thought was the person and that hand just stayed on my head. Next thing I know, like without the hand moving from my head, this person comes in front of me and I'm, you know, like face down on my hands and knees, you know, all the way with my head to the ground. This person comes in front of me and gets down in that same position. And with the hand on the head has his head head to head with me. And I was like, what in the world? And I can hear him praying still. Like, I mean, the prayers were just getting more and more, you know, I could just feel the spirit of God moving through it. Right. And I was like, I have to know who this is, which of these guys is that, you know? And so I open my eyes and look up and there's nobody there. And immediately the Lord says to me, you know, brings that verse that the spirit intercedes for us with moans and groans that we cannot understand. And I was like, wow. Um, so, you know, that's the experience like that is what we are meant to experience with the Lord, to know that he's the one who prays over us. He's the one who draws near. 
and draws close. And, you know, if you're not getting that, you know, question it, don't, don't participate in it. Intimacy. That was beautiful, Jesse. And, and, you know, that's really where I wanted to go with this conversation is, you know, the, the enemy has all kinds of power. They've infiltrated things like that, but the Holy spirit is the greatest power. And Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit can do many, many things, but you'll know the characters of the Holy Spirit because it's the characters of God. It's the character of God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is its own entity, but fully God. And you look at, so just, you know, I look at the, the very, be, in the beginning, you know, the, the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God is the Father. God kind of, okay, he's the architect. He designs this thing. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit's in place with all this power. And then Jesus spoke the word. And then the power goes out and creates everything. So this is how powerful the Holy Spirit is. And then, you know, just jumping forward to the book of Acts, when the Spirit came upon the apostles, and they spoke in tongues, and they were drunk, but it's joy that came upon them. They, they weren't, they didn't fall back on the ground and doing the funky chicken. They, they were just filled with so much joy that everyone thought they were drunk. But then, you know, Peter's shadow casts over someone because the Holy Spirit in him, you know, raises people up from sin. He didn't even have to touch them. And that's the time we're coming into. And we can tap in to, God commands us to tap into the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. But yet right now, uh, and I'll go back to you, Brian, right now, there's a lot of churches that they, they accept the father, they accept the son. They don't want the Holy Spirit there. Yeah. Well, either that or the other extreme, it's there too much. And, and that's what their focus is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have a, a lot of, I mean, I, I don't like the word most, but a lot, a lot of churches will either ignore the Holy Spirit all together, you don't hear anything about it, or the other side of things, it's just all about the spirit and what the spirit can do. And we got to remember that the spirit has really two purposes. One is to empower us, right? What Jesus said that I'm, I'm sending you somebody who's, who's even greater than me, which blows my mind because as a pastor, I would love to have Jesus here while I'm putting my messages together, man. So I ain't messing up. <laughs> right. Evidently, the, the spirit I got in me is good enough or better than. Uh, him being alongside me telling me what to write down you'll do greater things than i yeah yeah but but the other thing about the spirit that we forget that is his purpose is that it isn't about the spirit he has come so he can what reveal jesus christ through him yeah so if we're using the power of the holy spirit to do anything other than point to christ then it's all wrong and so we talk about some of these situations where people are flopping and doing this and that. It ain't nothing about what they're doing. It ain't pointing to Christ. And that's why we're also told that we're not supposed to allow the, the miracles and the signs and the wonders and all that stuff to be our, our greatest uh, uh, arrow to Jesus Christ because the, the, the enemy can mimic all that himself. You know, now if you're doing something and a miracle happens when we pray, here's, here's a great uh a great way of putting this if, if we pray and my wife she's got a lot of medical issues and uh she's going through some other stuff right now or whoever it is someone in the church and we just stop the message and get up and lay hands on this person and pray over them it's not 
because, and, but there's always that little bit of selfishness in us, right? We want this person to be healed. We want them. I want my wife to be better. It, that's selfish. But that shouldn't be for any other reason than the point to Jesus Christ. That when, if, if and when my wife gets healed, we can say, wow, do you see what, see what the Lord did here? I mean, look what, what the doctor said. And, and then she can go back to the doctors and break up on the doctors who's saying that that's not possible. It can't happen. Well, let me tell you about the person that can make this happen because he created this body. It's all about pointing to Jesus Christ when we use the power that the Holy Spirit gave us. So um, that's my two cents on that, man. That's, that's the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit, power and pointing to Christ. Well, absolutely. But, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about on, on the program here is actually cutting off the demons that have been, you know, taking hold over areas of this world. And we're, we're, yeah. we're using the Holy Spirit, and of course, to glorify Jesus Christ, but to, you know, really come against this. And, you know, we want, we, we, we want this great harvest. We want, we want to expand this club. <laughs> you know, we want, we don't want anyone to perish. And we, we pray for even, you know, the, the Satanists and the Luciferians. We pray for them all the time. In fact, that's Jesse's ministry, you know, for, yep. for a lot of it. But, you know, the, I think we can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. Nope. And the Holy Spirit can do things. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus can dispatch angels. You know, again, it's in the heavenlies that everything starts. Uh, but you know, how how does our voice get up there? It's it's through the spirit of God. Yeah. Right. So you know, there's so many ways, and and we don't want to put them in a box. Look, I, I find nothing wrong with speaking with tongues. I, I do it. No. I, no. I pray. I pray that way. However, you know, in the Bible, if it's going to be done in church, then someone should give the interpretation. Yep, yep. Right, because there, there should not be confusion. Now, if someone's just sitting there by themselves, you know, okay, that's okay. It's not meant for everyone else. They're just praying in a tongue. But if someone stands up and does a tongue, there should yeah. be an interpretation. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, as far as as far as bringing, I always love to say that you know, in in, in the criminal activities and. The occult, man, I used to bring people down with me. Now I want to pe bring people up with me, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's one of, this should be all of our, our, our biggest ministries is, is praying for people's salvation. Um, I know some people say that that's not a legit prayer, but it is. I mean, that's what we're right. told to do over and over. As a matter of fact, I mean, uh, you look at that one scripture where uh, them friends, you know, brought one of their friends in, in up on the, the roof of this house and busted dude's roof in and dropped their friend down. And Jesus is like, because of their faith, you are healed, you know? Uh, so we got to stand in the gap for other people, but, uh, here's, here's what's up with that though. You know, I've, I've got a prayer list on a mile long and I probably get another mile each month on that thing. Uh, each day, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get one, two, three calls, messages, texts, emails. People want me to pray for them or pray for their son or daughter who's caught up in addictions and all that, whatever it is. And I add them to my list. And, and, uh, but that's, that's really all we can do. I, I am, I am glad that the only thing that's on me is planting that seed. And after that, my work is done. Yeah. We, we, we plant the seed, we present the gospel to somebody and some of us just continue to trip and to say, oh my gosh, he's not saved yet. We got to do something. Let's keep ministering to this guy, man. You're going to push him further away. 
uh, let somebody else plant another seed or water that seed or whatever, but leave that alone. You've done your part. I am so happy that, that, that the Lord uses us, uses knuckleheads like all three of us <laughs> to make his gospel message known to people, to bring salvation, eternal salvation to people. Me, Brian Cole, who did all this stuff, <laughs> and he's using me to, 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 to plant these seeds and bring people up with me. Wow. And he doesn't have to because they're already elect. He already elected them. But somehow he uses us to bring that election to fruitation. But after that, it's not on us anymore. That's on him. So That's right. And, and, we can so, and there's other people with the Holy There's other people with the gifts that are going to come in and disciple them. And so, you know, when it's someone it. comes to salvation, I think it's really important for us. Uh, Look, I don't have that pastoral call on my life. It just that's that's not where I'm at at, at the moment. Maybe it'll change. I thought the same thing, brother. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> but um, you know, there, there's going to be people who need to come in and, and actually disciple. And you know, um, hey, look, whatever God says to do something, I, I'm available. You know, yep. that's it. Uh, I think He has me going in a different direction. And here, here's what's up, though. But he's whether it's uh, in the church or outside of the church, I mean, the church building, not the, the, the church people. But whether it's inside the church or outside the church right here is a great example. Uh, this is this is the people that he's going to use. These are the people that uh, he's going to use to bust down the walls, to bust down the strongholds in people's lives and bring the gospel back into the church to bring people into Christ is knuckleheads like us who's been dragged out of the muck because so many of these other other I'm trying to think of a minimal term knucklehead because knucklehead I call myself that but these other ignorant idiots uh, that 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 have uh, power over the flock and are sitting on these things these self righteous Pharisees. Uh, that ain't gonna happen. Ooh, yeah. And, and and these are the people, right? These are the people who who Jesus, they had his attempt, full attention. That's who he came to seek, and save. And he, the 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 people that got the worst rebuttal from the Lord was who? The dang Pharisees, man. And he did not hold back with these people. And it's people like us who've been through the stuff. Because what is that one verse in Psalm? It's one of my favorites. That he is close to those who are brokenhearted and will save those who are crushed in spirit. Well, if he's close to the brokenhearted, what what happens to people that aren't brokenhearted? Do we have to constantly be brokenhearted? What does that mean? Well, I think that means that we always have to be in a state of humility, in a state of, you know what, I'm nothing without Jesus. And unless we're in that state and we're not high up on our horse and on our pulpits above everybody else, thinking that we know more than everybody else, but we use the, the, the life that we messed up, that Christ took us out of, to let people know no matter where you're at, whether you're a drug addict, or whether you ain't never touched drugs before, this is all about Jesus, man. And you're still just as bad as I was. Uh, Romans 3 puts us under all under the same umbrella. No one is good. We all fall short. We all sin. No one seeks after God. We all got the venom of asps under our tongues. Everybody. And who better to preach to people about that kind of stuff than those of us who have been drug out the pits of hell itself? Amen. The remnant, you know, you don't know. So you are a preacher. You do have, you are a preacher. You have the gift of preaching, man, because that's what it's about. It ain't about standing up on a pulpit. That is the probably the least most important part of my ministry here as a pastor. I, I tell the people here all the time, 
I'm not here to feed you. I'm not here to give you what you want. I'm not here to calm your spirit. I'm not here to give, make you feel good when you walk out of this place. My sole purpose here is to train and equip you to be ministers of the gospel so you can go out and do what I do and minister to people out here and bring them up with them. That's it. Well, one thing, one thing you, uh, because we haven't talked in a little while, Brian, is we've started an army on this channel. And we call it the SOS Army, the Shepherds of Sheeple Army. And, awesome. <laughs> and uh, it's been growing like fire. And we've, we've, we've expanded our team. We've given them greater tools. So everyone who comes in is getting vetted and they're coming in, they're slotting in. There's the ministry side. There's the communication side of it. And uh, so we've got digital soldiers. We've got prayer warriors. And, uh, and we're really going to make an impact. Well, we're making an impact already, I would suggest uh yeah. it's growing up so by the way if you want to sign up the link is going to be in the description box uh hit the thing not all fields are mandatory but the more you fill out the faster things will go well this has been so good and, and brian you mentioned what i'm glad you brought up the pharisees because they <laughs> were the greatest enemy of christ yeah. um and i i maintain they are still the greatest enemies of christ yeah, uh, they're the ones who are going to usher in the Antichrist. Uh, they're the ones who killed off the the actual Christ, and they are in all kinds of churches right now, Christian churches, synagogues. Um, listen, I, I'll I'll go to say they're in they're in mosques. They're in you know the the Pharisees are everywhere, and their job is really simple just get you off the mark a little bit yep that's it you just have to be off the mark a little bit don't believe in the blood of jesus mm -hmm. yeah. or don't you know don't go out and tell your neighbor about your experiences with the lord or you know what you were reading in scripture this morning yeah, or 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 they could be they could be preaching a a faith, uh, works based right because the Pharisees were all about works and and that goes back to that uh, Southern Baptist that you were talking about where you know oh man if I don't do this if I don't knock so many doors or what I've never been in a Baptist church uh, in that way and I don't think it is even about it they could be doing that that that's what they do do yeah and it's all about what do 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 not what Jesus taught done done done. It's all works based, and you start you start believing believing that, then you ain't got no reason to believe in Jesus. Because if you can do it, what's he got for you? What's uh, people forget? People forget <laughs> so many. And it ain't got to be a Pharisee type, but the church in general. Uh, you know, there was a a time probably two weeks ago. I put something up on my ministry page on Facebook, and oh my gosh, I get I, I thought I was going to get a whole lot more. Uh, feedback than I did but I got it from one person and that one person was a good friend of mine uh we're not in 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 touch all the time like uh, a good friend but uh he was a good friend we did ministry together before and but now we're a few miles apart and and I really haven't heard from him and that's always funny you don't hear from these people for a while and then all of a sudden you say something they want to speak up but at least he messaged me and he didn't put it out there on the 
on the comment, which I, I totally have respect for. That's what we need to do, not sit and argue with each other on Facebook and Publicly, message each other. Yeah. Seriously want to talk about it. And he did. And it was about sins and how we tend to minimize sin and say, well, it's not really for, for an occasion. I'm just, you know, sleeping with my girlfriend or it's not really this. It's this. We try to minimize our sins. And there was like, a, you know, some some uh, examples of that. And I put that up and he's like, well, with the ministry you do and stuff like that, Brian, don't you think that was a little, uh, uh, you're almost like a prophet out there right now. And I'm like, well, thank you. I think we don't have enough prophets in the age today. <laughs> but he wanted to talk to me be, uh, about this whole thing, putting the sin stuff out there. And it's like, we, well, was there something wrong with it? Was, do you not agree with what it said? Well, I agree, but, but I'm like, there, there you go. That, that's that but thing is, is going to hurt us, man. But the, this, this righteousness, this, it's all about righteousness. It is all about do, 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 but only in what Christ has done, done, done for us. Yeah. And we forget that Christ has already covered all that. And, and we don't have to do a thing other than be obedient to Christ. That's the only do we got is to be obedient to Christ and not out of a heart of expe expectation. Well, I have to because he wants me to, but because of our love for him, just like with the father and the son. I, I, I don't want to do this thing because it'll crush my father if I do it. Not because, oh, if I do this thing, my, my dad's going to whoop me, <laughs> you know, um, and, and we forget about righteousness. So, yeah, there's there's obedience, but it has to be uh, an in indrawn thing that we get from the love of Jesus Christ that flows out from us. And again, right, Jesse, there's that intimacy. It's a yeah. more intimate. It's like a, a we're his bride mm -hmm. and people don't like to hear that kind of a, a thing either about the whole marriage thing. And he loves us like a, a woman and a man and all that. And it's like, but it's truth. He loves us. We are his bride and he wants to be intimate with us, a love relationship with us. He wants to dance with us, man, and woo us all the time. And I just, mm. Oh, there's too many people out there who are just all caught up in all the other, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do the other thing, the, the pharisaic mindset. You know, there's a really simple way this was explained to me, and I think it's it's helpful to, to know. Um, you know, it's a works versus faith thing. And, yeah. and religion is man's attempt to reach God. That's the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Faith means God came to me. And literally, it's that simple. And yeah. because God came to me, I want to, to serve because I feel the love. I look at peace, joy, love, discernment, like all these beautiful things he gives in our life. You know, yeah. um, when when bad things happen, who other than a born again Christian can say, oh, thank you, God. You know, yeah. OK, you gave me a bit of a spank in there. Um, you know, a father reproves the one he loves. And yeah. You know, it, it's good, but you know, you also talked about the sin thing, and I'm getting, I'm gonna make a statement. This is actually from the course that uh, we're gonna put out, Jesse, um, and it's a powerful statement. And I'm not gonna expand on it because we will in, in the new course whenever that comes out. But the mind justifies the desires of the heart. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. Actually, I will expand on it. It's a programming <laughs> issue. I'll say that. So I want you yeah. to think about it in the, the terms it was meant. It's a programming issue. And that programming is not from God. Yeah. And that's where, but that's where the battlefield is in the mind. That's you right. Know, when, 
and and I, and I know that we we all know, especially Jesse, we all know where that battle is. And and I just got talk, done talking to somebody on the phone this morning whose uh, stepson is getting out of prison Tuesday and wants me to hook up. And you know, he's just uh, anguished over over what he's done and what he might do and all that. And and, and again, I say. I say a lot of things a lot because we need reminders a lot. I need reminders a lot. So I say this to the congregation a lot mm -hmm. is whether it's uh, Biden or, <laughs> or Pelosi or, or uh, BLM and all these other people, we have to look past the person mm -hmm. to see where the real enemy is at. Right. right, Jesse, with a particular individual that you're praying for all the time, and I, I don't know where he's at. I haven't heard from you for about a year, but, you know, who's got this big organization? And, and I know that you know that the battle is not with him. Right. It's who has him and who owns him and who he's allowing into his life right now. And that's, that's with anybody in life. And that's with Pelosi. That's with Biden. That's all these people. We can't hate them, right? I mean, one of the hardest things the Lord has ever told us to do is love but pray for those who persecute you and, and love your enemy it's like are you serious Lord well we can love them because they're created in his image and they're a masterpiece but the person who has control over them is not and or the entity yeah and, and I think man, you know at a deeper level it's how does that love look because yeah. you know with those individuals if the only thing we're giving to them you know, in love. And I got to tread this lightly because I don't want people to get the wrong picture, but right. you know, a lot of times, especially for those people who are deep into something, you know, whether it's drugs, alcoholism, um, you know, or something occultic, you know, is the only intentional time that we're spending with them spent where we're preaching the gospel at them. You know, and there's a difference between preaching the gospel and living that relationship with Christ, you know, is that all they're getting is where I'm saying, you know, you're in your sin, you need to turn from it. You know, what you're doing is wicked and evil. And I can't, you know, spend time with you when you're doing those things. Is that the only time they're getting with us? Or are we intentionally making time and saying, okay, like, let's spend time together. Let's go out for lunch. You know, we're not going to talk about you know, the, the word of God out directly right at this moment, like that's not the attention of our time, you know, talk to me about what is your daily life like, you know, wh when you are doing these things, what's the purpose? What's the long-term goal for you? You know, and as you have that conversation, you know, it opens doors for then you to share about what's happening in your own life with, with the Lord. And, you know, one of the most powerful statements that's ever been made, you know, was made by a Satanist and he called out a, a Christian and he said, you know, you say you pray for me every day. How come I've never seen or experienced any of those prayers? Right. You know, powerful, wow. you know, if you're praying for him. Do they know? Do they hear you pray over them? Are those prayers written where they can see them, you know, and see your heart and not just, you know, God, there's in so much sin, you know, you've got to help them. Or, you know, what are our <coughs> prayers really saying for that person? You know, if it was something that we had to write that they could read every day, what would we be saying or talking to the Lord about with them? 
Yeah, and sometimes you just need to let your light shine and listen to people. They, you know, Jesus used the Socratic method. He asked questions. And, yeah. you know, and he gave examples and stories that people, you know, well, the parables are a whole different subject, so I won't go down there. But, you know, he did, he asked questions. He wanted to know how someone was. And, and people, listen, people want to be heard. They don't want to be preached at. Yeah. Right. All right. You know, you know one of the more... Okay. You just One described of the discipleship, right? You yeah. just described discipleship, which is probably, in my opinion, one of the things that's lacking the most in our church buildings today. Yeah. yeah. And it gets you a lot farther, you know. Um, I, I had we had a situation where we had some high-level vampire bands kept recruiting in our town. And, you know, they purposely were targeting the young girls. They were getting them into online relationships, you know, where these guys were emailing them. And then it would be like when they came through the town um, and wanted to do rituals or things, that's when they were having the girls meet up with them. And so one of the girls had confided in me this was happening. So, you know, what happened then was every time I knew it was a ritual, I'd be calling her up and saying, Hey, you want to go for dinner tonight? My treat, you know? And, and we would go, I'd spend all night with her. We would sit there and just, you know, shoot the breeze, um, you know, and just talk about life and, and what was going on. And it detained her the whole evening so that, you know, she wasn't having to go or feel like she had to be at those rituals you know, and there wasn't anything, you know, there was no, you know, mocking, there was no bringing out her sin, you know, as we got into the conversation more, you know, those things came out where it's like, well, I'm going to ask a hard question. Why are you attracted to vampirism? You know, why do you do it? Well, you just told me you don't want to. So why do you continue to do it? You know, and there's almost this entrapping that people get involved in and they don't know how to get out. And, you know, but they're not going to trust you to tell you that they don't know how to get out or that they're trapped unless you're taking the time to invest in them. Relationship. Well, you know what? I I think I want to leave it there because that's one of the most important points that I want people to walk away with is, is just that. It's the relationship, it's the asking questions, and, and that's truly letting your light shine by listening and loving on a person, letting them tell their story and not judging them. So, amen. Uh, Brian, how can people follow you? Can, can you give your channel, your Facebook, or what, what would you like to give out on this? Yeah, they can a couple different ways. I, I do have a website at www.setusfree.org. Um, I also have a, a Facebook ministry page if you look up brian cole and unfortunately you ain't got a choice in what you call it it's called brian cole motivational speaker i am not a motivational speaker but you can look up brian cole motivational speaker uh on facebook or you can also email me at uh set us free 777 at gmail.com amen brian we got to do this way more often you yeah, for sure. And, and be able to talk to Jesse here. That's the first time I've, I've seen her in real life. I mean, not real life, but real life. <laughs> um, awesome. I really missed her this last year and I uh, 
she was on my mind the other day and messaged her and here we are so thank you Jesus. isn't that yeah, the way we it works so much together yeah we we did we've worked a lot together on things so <laughs> we, we got to do more god's not done with us yet <laughs> for real amen there's a lot more work to be done and time is being compressed so we got to get busy in doing it and it's not a works thing yeah. it's just i want to serve <laughs> you yeah. know yeah I want to serve, you know, um, someone who's special to me said something to me the other day, and it's, it's really simple, you know, God searches a person's heart, and then he asks, are you available? Mm -hmm. You know, we're all sinners, look, you know, get over it, you know, I pray that I sin less tomorrow than I did today, uh, <laughs> but I know I'm in a sin, so, right. hey, listen, it's been so great, so, let's do this again uh let's do it sooner than later uh i do have to give just a quick announcement because tomorrow is the last day that the coupon for right on you is going to work it's 100 bucks off if you want to take the course creating wealth through stewardship tomorrow friday if you're watching this on friday it's today for you but april 30th is the very last day the coupon will work for you so i would encourage you to do it also jesse just launched her book we did a book launch interview yesterday and it is called oh my goodness the anointing overflows the anointing overflows i just wanted to make sure i got the the words correct and uh so anyways listen thank you for watching right on radio guest brian cole by the way his original episode if you want to hear his whole story was episode 17 and i actually reposted it about uh six or eight weeks ago uh, because I put it out the video version, by the way. She looked so great in that church with the cross behind you <laughs> and stuff like that. And and I got over my fear of doing video. <laughs> um, apparently, I don't only come out as a negative. You know, it's not like the old Polaroid days. <laughs> anyways, you've been watching right on radio. Brian Cole's been our guest. Jesse's uh, the great Jesse Zaboter. My name is Jeff. Remember, love your God, love your family love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right.